you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'd invite you to turn to the book of Genesis. And if you want to, while you've got them out and you're marking, if you want to turn over to the book of Job, we're also going to spend quite a bit of time there. Our pastor is in Texas this week with the mission team, and uh, we certainly pray for them while they're gone from us. And uh, they'll be coming back late tonight, and I heard from Jamie this morning, and uh, he's praying for us uh, while we're here, and so that goes both ways. And so we, uh, we look forward to their return, but he has asked me this morning to share with you from God's Word, and I appreciate that opportunity to do so today. In uh, Sunday school, I teach the, the boys' Sunday school class, the youth boys, uh, middle school and the high school, and we've been going over in the book of January about some of the attributes of God. Uh, God as Creator. Uh, God is Savior. Uh, We've transitioned now from God the Father into God the Son just this week. And uh, as we were doing that, we we started as God the Creator, which which got me to wanting to spend a little more time on my own with God as Creator. And uh, it's just something that I I wanted to go through, and it's something that I want to share with you this morning. And so the first verse we're going to read this morning is just Genesis 1-1. And it's, it's such a short verse, and yet it's a profound verse that in and of itself, you can expound upon for quite some time. When it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's it. Of course, Genesis continues to expound upon that, on the process of God creating the heavens and the earth, and the days of creation, and and the order in which God created the heavens and the earth to go through that. But it makes us stop for just a moment and realize that before that, there was just God. There was no heavens, there was no earth, there was nothing else. And, uh, and as I said, we were sharing some of the attributes of God, and I was sharing with some of the boys and everything else, and they just stopped to think about that for a minute. And I think we're in the same boat. If we just stop and think about that for a minute, that before everything else there was just God, you sit there and it's like mind blown right there. Because everything that we base our lives on it has a beginning and it has an end and it has something that happens all in between. Whether it's our day from when we get up and and we get out of bed to our work day, going to school, and and even in retirement, we have routines and we have things that we do. And for us to imagine that there was just God, and what was before that? Just God. There always was God. But then there was a beginning for us. And it says, in that beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before that, there was not even time. God is atemporal. He exists outside of time is what that means. And, and so God created time. God created heavens. God created the earth. Everything that we know and everything that we relate to is based on a beginning and an end. And so for us to fathom that is difficult. Hebrews eleven three says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. For us to understand creation in the beginning, there's got to be an element of faith. Has anyone heard of Ken Ham and the Creation Science Museum and the things that go along with that? He does some pretty neat stuff. And I find some of his research um, to be very interesting. Uh, Honestly, there are times that I find his research to be a little bit of a stretch. (laughs) Uh, I think he, he tries to justify some things that maybe aren't always there. But he has a a Creation Science Institute, and his whole goal is backing up creation by God through science. And he does a fantastic job at some of what he does, 
But in the end, I think Ken Ham's goal is probably futile. Because Hebrews 11 tells us it is. Because the only way that we can understand God making something visible out of what was invisible is what Hebrews says is by faith. That is the only way that we can start to fathom creation and the creation story is that we have to have faith in God. We, when, when we were sitting in science class as children and as our kids are sitting in science class today, there are many different theories depending on the science teacher about the creation and the origins of the world. There's a very popular show on, on television, please don't sing the theme song, called The Big Bang Theory, right? And, and most of you guys know that. And the very end of it says that it all started with a Big Bang, right? And the whole theme song goes through supposedly the evolution of life according to popular science today. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school and I asked the boys, I was like, you know, have you ever just wanted to mess with your science teacher just a little bit? Because just ask them, okay, well, let's go through this whole Big Bang Theory. And where did that come from? Well, where did that come from? But where did that come from? And it goes back to, if you've heard of the Higgs boson, supposedly the God particle that where all other particles in the universe from popular science were created. And then you just ask them, okay, but where did that come from? See, the, the argument continues back is there had to be a beginning for everything the answer to that beginning of everything is God. Genesis 1.1 tells us that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. No matter how far you want to try to argue back through science or anything else, there had to be a beginning. God is that beginning. So when we look at God, we think of Him and need to understand Him as creator. In Genesis 1.26 and 27, after He's created and gone through some of that creation um, story it says god said verse 26 let us make man in our image in our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air over the livestock of the earth and all the creatures that move along the ground so god created man in his own image in the image of god he created him male and female he created them then again Genesis expounds upon that creation story of Adam and then of Eve and ultimately all of us through that creation. So God created the beginning. He created the heavens, which were not there. He created the earth, which was not there. He populated that earth with the animals, the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and everything that roamed about. And then He created man. He created us. We think of God as creator. Within that creation story, gentlemen, we like to relate to and point out to our wives many times that God created man. Didn't start with a woman, he created the man, right? And after that came woman, and she's been after him ever since, is the rest of the joke that goes along with that. And when we think of that, we think of that creation story of Adam, we realize that Adam was here first, and he was here for a period of time before Eve came along. And many of us think, well, why did God create Eve? It says, because God said it's not good for man to be alone. He should have a partner and someone to be with him. Why didn't God create Eve with Adam at the same time? Sometimes in our flawed thinking, we think that God looked down and realized that Adam was lonely, and he needed somebody with him. But understand this, because God is not only atemporal and omnipotent, He is omniscient. 
which means that God knew, God knows, and God knows what is to come. He's the one who created it in all of time. God knew that Adam needed a help meet. God knew that Adam needed a helper. It wasn't an afterthought that God created Eve. It was again in part of his timing and in part of his plan as creator. I think that's important for us to understand that God has a plan. God had a plan in creation in the heavens and the earth that he made. God had a plan when he created us. We were created by God. That brings now the great theological question that I think that we all have dealt with and probably will deal with again is he created us but why did God create us? Why did he go to all of this trouble? Did God need us? Did God desire us? Did he want us? Why did God create us? And that question will not be answered today. (laughs) Because I think it's still an answer that everybody struggles with. The short answer, we can skip to the end of the sermon, is is because it glorifies God. That's why he created us. Now that that's got, let's get through the process of why did he create us. And as we're born, as we're growing up and we're trying to formulate our lives, we, we all struggle with that of why did God create us? Why am I here we have those why am I here moments. And because God knows why we're here, God's the one who created us. He created us with a plan. He created us with a purpose. But he didn't just lay it out for us. It would have been nice if he gave us a little instruction manual when we were born that's tailored to each and every one of our lives that says this is what you are meant to do with your life. Well, he kind of did, didn't he? But wouldn't it be nice if he just said on this day you're supposed to do this? This is the person you're supposed to marry? This is the job that you should undertake in life. This is where you should live. This is where you should go. And this is how you should do it. If we had all that lined out, wouldn't it just be so much simpler? Because God knows what he desires for us. Why is that so hard for us to understand and have those laid out? Some of you may think that your eternal purpose in life is simply to be a parent. Ladies, I know many of you particularly, there's something about being a mom and raising your children that you that you just know that god put you here for that purpose and i will not argue that that may be part of your purpose but is that your only purpose is that the only reason that god created you maybe you define yourself by the job that you have by the tasks that you perform throughout the week and what what brings in to support you and your family is that your purpose is that why god created you Well, it may be part of why he created you, but is that why God created you? See, I ask these questions because we go to a a man, one of the oldest books, and probably the oldest book in the Bible. It's not Genesis, by the way. We know who wrote Genesis and when he wrote it. It was a way, it it was later, it was an afterthought. Probably one of the oldest book in the Bible is actually the book of Job. And if you turn there, if you haven't this morning, in chapter three, You've heard undoubtedly highlights about the book of Job and the story of Job. And Job was a good and a righteous man who lived on the earth. Job was very wealthy. Job had a very large family. Job was a God-fearing man. And we all know that one day that Satan shows up in the midst while God is conferring with his angels 
And, uh, and God brags a little bit upon Job and says, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on the earth just like him. And, and Satan says, well, it's because you protect him. Because you've blessed him with all of this bounty of stuff. He's a rich man. He's got a big family. Everything you could ever want upon the earth, Job's got it. Take away that, he's going to start cursing you. So God says, all right, let's play this game. Let's see how it goes. God knows how it's going to go. Satan doesn't. And so exactly what happens. And in the same day, basically, Job loses his family and he loses his livelihood. Everything that he defined his life as a father, as a provider, and as a man in life left that day. And so when I ask you, why are you here? If you exist only as a mother, what happens to your life when you lose your children? If you exist only by the job that you, if you're defined only by the job that you perform, what happens when you lose that job? What happens when you're all of a sudden incapacitated and unable to do that job? What now is the purpose of your life? It's kind of a bummer to think about all these things, isn't it? But they happen. Those things do happen. You can all of a sudden not be a parent anymore. You can all of a sudden not be a provider anymore. All things, these things happen to Job, and he opens his mouth in verse 1 of chapter 3. And he cursed the day of his birth. He said, May the day of my birth perish in the night it was said a boy is born. That day, may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. May darkness and deep shadow claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm its light. That night, may thick darkness seize it. May it not be included among the days of the year. May it be entered in any of the months. May that night be barren. May no shout of joy be heard in it. May those who curse days curse that day. Those who are ready to rouse Leviathan. May its morning stars become dark. May it wait for daylight in vain and not see the first rays of dawn. For it did not shut the doors of the womb on me to hide trouble from my eyes. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Everything that Job knew in his life was gone in an instant all of these things were robbed from him and taken from him and now job is left with only his wife and a few friends that show up it turned out not to be the best of friends everything he knew through his daily existence was gone and when that happens because friends it happens in life it happens to us maybe it hasn't happened to you but maybe it has that everything and every piece of security, we're left oftentimes asking, why, God, why? Why? Why me? Why did you even create me? Job cries out and says, why, God? I curse the day I was born if this is to be my existence. He's in a place of despair and desperation, and it makes us wonder, why were we created? Why were we created? Because God knew when He created us, knowing all things, number one, that we were going to fail Him. God knew when He created us that we would fail, that we would sin, that we would fall short. God knew that and created us anyway. God knew that He would have to sacrifice His Son Jesus for us. And He created us anyway. So it makes us ponder the question of why were we created? 
why go to all this trouble? Why would God do of all these things if He knew what was to come and what we would do and what we would even do to His Son when He was sent? Why would God go through all those things? Because let me ruin this for you. God does not need you. Now that may seem harsh, but understand that if God needed you, God would not be perfect. God is perfect and He has no need of you. That seems like a real bummer right now, right? Everybody's not feeling pretty good. I'm not leaving you there, okay? We've got a little more time today. When I was um, younger in college, actually Ryan Palmer and I, uh, we were both in college at the time, and we decided to go to a conference in Kansas City at a um, somewhat liberal Baptist seminary that exists up there. But we went to hear one particular speaker, and it was on a preaching method called Lowry's Loop. And the idea of Lowry's Loop is, and, and he, it, it was supposed to be helping pastors and preachers engage your audience and bring you through this, is that you would build up your sermon topic line, you would bring to the point, people to a point of trouble or of despair, and then you'd loop it right back at and bring them out of it. I hardly ever preach that way, but today it seems like I am. Because the problem is it just gets so depressing and we end up down here that maybe we just want to leave after all that's done. And um, we learned some other things while we were up there, not all beneficial. <laughs> but, um, but out of today and out of that, as I was preparing this, I thought, man, that's a Lowry's loop if I ever heard of it. Because here we are in the depths of things, ending out that God does not need you. How low are you feeling right now? Pretty worthless. That you failed God. That God does not need you. But the good news is God created you anyway. And so since he did, there's got to be a reason, isn't there? We continue over in Job towards the end of the book in chapter 38. God addresses Job. Remember the words that he had just said as he cursed the day of his birth. And there are several exchanges that happen in between, between Job and his friends. But now God speaks. And in chapter 38, verse 1, God speaks and says, Then the Lord answered Job. Because Job is asking all these questions at this point. He's cursing the day of his birth, and why am I even born? And God answers him and says out of the storm, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. Now when God says, get ready to take it like a man, I think you better stand up and take a little bit of notice here. Because it's one thing when my daddy said that to me when I was young, but if God is standing over you saying, brace yourself like a man, he's about to unload a little bit, I think. He says, brace yourself like a man because I'm going to question you and you are going to answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know who stretched a measuring line across it. On what were its footing set? Or who laid cornerstone while the morning stars sang together? And all the angels shouted for joy. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness? When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place? When I said, this far you may come and no farther, hear what your proud waves halt? Have you ever given orders to the morning? Or, or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. God starts with Job and he says, all right, you've had your say, now let me have mine. Who are you? Who are you to question why 
or what I do. Are you the one who created this earth? Are you the one who gave life in the first place? Who are you to question? Are you, you have power over the sun? Or is it you who is able to say, wake up in the morning sun and shine over the earth? Is it you who are able to drive out the wicked from the land? Is it you who are able to do any of these things, Job? Brace yourself. Now answer me. In chapter 42, Job answers. Verse 3 through 6, he says, You asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Well, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I'll speak, I'll question you, and you answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. God calls Job out. He's questioning himself. and He's saying, why? Why, God? Why? Why? Why would these things happen to me? What is my purpose in all of this? And God said, who are you to question me? And Job comes across this realization. He's nobody to question God. See, here's the thing. God knew we would fail but he created us anyway. God does not need us, but here's the good news. God desires us. God desires us. God wants us. God, in fact, commands us to follow him. If we define ourselves by everything that we are doing here, we are making a large mistake. And that's what the mistake that Job was making. He was defining himself by the things that he had, by his family and all of this. The only thing that can define us as, God creation, as God's creation is God himself. He's the one who defines who we are and what we are. And what we are is his creation. Jeremiah 29, 11-13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back. God's plan and why he created us is to glorify himself. That's the thing that we need to understand first and foremost. He didn't, while part of his duties for us may be to be a parent, that's not why he created us. He didn't create you to be a parent. While it may be that he called us to serve him in various aspects, that's not why he created us. He created us to glorify him. The thing is about God is that he created all of this. And if we are to understand God as creator, we need to understand that he created us for him. All of those things that we feel bad about ourselves and all those things that we fail in that, God knew we would do that and yet he created us anyway. He knew we would sin against him and yet he created us anyway and then showed his love and our importance to him through his son Jesus Christ when he sent him to die on the cross. So if you're feeling bad about yourself, 
Stop. If you're feeling bad about the, the things that you've done, well, stop. Do what Job did and see, I've heard about you, God, but now I have seen you. My eyes have been opened because, God, I am yours. You are my creator. You created me for this purpose, for this time, and for this place. God has a plan for your life. Make no mistake about that. God's plan for your life, part of that may be to be a parent. Part of that may be to be a grandparent. Part of that may be to, to be a world leader. I don't know what God has planned out individually in your life, but understand that all of that is in time, and it is temporal, and it is short, because God exists outside of that. God created this short time that we're here to live, but the eternity that we have to spend with Him will be forever, and God created us for that forever, not just for this short time. God created us for that forever, for what is to come. I don't understand forever. I don't think in our finite, minuscule minds that we can. We have the concept. God says that one day we're going to understand clearly and we're going to see clearly. But we know that this is just temporary. Because just as God is forever, so is what is to come. It's forever. It's outside of this. We need to start living our lives recognizing God as creator. Too many times we, we're looking at our own lives and the, our own accomplishments and our own goals. We all have goals. We have desires. Those are good things. But our ultimate desire ought to be to please the one who created us. Because God loved you so much that knowing that you were going to fail him, he created you anyway. He made you anyway. He made you with a purpose and with a plan. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to fulfill it? Or are you going to ignore it? Because the reality is, is that God lets us choose. God created us. God knew we'd fail. And he knows those who will come to him. And yet he created us anyway. He created us, some of us, knowing that we would fail. I pray that's not you. And when I mean fail, I mean ultimately fail in rejecting him. Because he knows in his righteous judgment that he will send a measure to hell. And for eternity separated from God. Let, let that not be you. Let that not be me. Let that not be us. God is creator. He created you for a purpose and for a plan.